Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the 16th phone call in this wild project. Um, today, I'm going to be sharing a phone call with Doug Weaver. Douglas Weaver. Um, he's a very uh, close and personal friend. We work together on every brilliant thing. And uh, most recently, a really fun earth reading of House of Blue Leaves. Um, and through those projects, we've become um, kind of brothers in a certain way. Uh, he's another wonderful father figure, of course, but also just just uh, somebody I aspire to be more like. And it was so nice to finally have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him today. Um, our first, actually, since Every Brilliant Thing ended, uh, which is sad, but that means we're staying busy, which is nice. Uh, wanted to take this opportunity and this this nice long stretch of calm to uh, you know, set aside a few few minutes to talk to him. Uh, his wonderful conversation about music, um, yeah, emotional uh, our emotional journeys, and um, yeah, the process of every brilliant thing. It was it was it was really nice to kind of rehash a lot of this together, um, kind of do a post mortem about six months later. It's crazy that it's even been six months. Um, I hope you're all doing well. Today's a good day for me personally. Um, Started watching this uh, at-home Saturday Night Live thing. Have you all seen that? It's like their first non-live show in years, and uh, maybe ever. And uh, it was all done via Zoom. And regardless of whatever you feel about Saturday Night Live in recent years, it's kind of cool watching them surface anyway and do their damnedest. It kind of reminds me. I'm not comparing the situations at all necessarily, but it um, reminds me of post 9 11 SNL when they, you know, still showed up to work and felt the need to to lift us up anyway. Pretty cool thing. That's a pretty cool thing. So, uh, yeah, I've been listening to a lot more music lately. Um, if you all have been listening to anything particularly good, send it my way through Facebook or, or Instagram. I'm open to new things, uh, particularly jazz right now. If you're a jazz fan, send me your favorite jazz tunes or records. Hope you're doing well. Can't wait to share this phone call with you with uh, Doug Weaver. I'll talk to you after. Hello. Well, hello. <laughs> How are you? Ah, I'm okay. It's bizarre to look at a blank screen and then hear a voice say hello hello <laughs> this is your conscience <laughs> oh god please no I, no 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 no. we should talk we should talk <laughs> this should not be the time for my conscience talking to me no come on <laughs> rip off the band-aid <laughs> i'm good i'm good i'm i'm sorry about yesterday it was just a little crazy here with maintenance crap so they were power washing yeah they've been Okay, so they stopped by without any kind of notice, not in the apartment, but just outside. They've been power washing, painting, and also breaking up all of our like cement entranceways. So it's just been nutty. That's weird. Yeah, and um, I'll, I've been saying this uh, a couple times over. Um, nobody rent from North Terrace Property Management. They are just like classic slumlords in Kansas City. <laughs> nobody. Say it nice and loud and, and nice and slowly so that everybody who's going to listen to this will know. 
All right, the lawyers. <clears throat> How are you? I'm all right. I'm um, as all right as you can be, I guess. Yeah. How are you? Uh, how are you handling it today? Uh, today's not bad. Um, you're right to ask though, day to day, isn't it? I don't know yeah. about for you, but for me, it's it's sometimes it's uh, morning to afternoon and afternoon. Exact hour to hour. Yeah, it's bizarre. How about you, man? I'm okay. I <clears throat> I had a bit of a a down week that kind of I think wrapped up yesterday. I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers. Okay. Um, but I've been playing so much more music. Uh, uh, I had about two and a half weeks there. It's got to be a bonus there. of all of this, right? Yes. No, exactly. And I, I had a, maybe a couple of weeks where Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell was just sitting, not being played on the table. <laughs> and I was just like, not only do I not want to hear anything, I don't even want to touch that record right now. It almost seems like it's making fun of me <laughs> for being so sad. <laughs> Yeah. Man, there was a time when I could sing every word, every note from that album. Oh, it's so good. It is. And, and um, if you um, study up and, and, and look back and, and, and hear the stories about um, Jim, what's his name? The guy who wrote all the music and Steinman, is that it? It might, it might be. I know Rundgren produced some of it, too. Right. Um, yep. But the guy who wrote all those epic songs and um, sure. and the uh, meatloaf going in for an audition and and uh, all that kind of stuff and it's it's uh, it's pretty uh, crazy stuff because he's you know I, I think probably he's a rather uniquely bizarre human being but he has got a set of pipes oh yeah just kind of crazy and I wish um, I don't know I, I wish I could have seen him First of all, I, well, in his prime, just so I could hear him musically in his prime, but also I think personally and politically, he used to probably be a bit more level-headed, it seems like. And also, it, I mean, yeah. apparently these shows were just rock operas, especially those two albums. Right. Well, when you, when you think that, um, I, if I remember correctly the stories, and once again, you know me, I will, I'll tell the story even if I'm not sure it's true. I um, Bring it. I think I remember hearing that the, the guy who designed Alice Cooper's stage show did um, Milos. And oh, so, nice. uh, it, it would make sense that they were big and opulent and, and incredibly well produced and, and put together. And, um, he, you know, with nothing else, the man's a performer. And so I think probably there was a lot of, a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that would have been a fun concert to go to. Mm. I think, the, uh, um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to ask you, like, what is a, a concert you, you remember going to that maybe reached that level of theatricality? <laughs> oh, you're a good question asker because in my head right there, I was going, okay, he's going to ask you about concerts. So go yeah. back ahead and think about all <laughs> I think probably uh, the, the, the three concerts that I remember most vividly, um, one of them purely for the content and then the other two for their, uh, the content was great, but it was also their showy manner. 
Uh, I think I, I still list as the, in my head, the best concert I ever went to was Count Basie. That was right. in, um, in Carbondale, Illinois, at Southern Illinois University. They have this beautiful, um, probably 300 seat, acoustically perfect, you know, performance hall mm -hmm. um, for their own orchestra and then for touring musicians and things like that. And I saw with my best friend at the time, we were in high school, we were juniors in high school. And uh, we went to see Count Basie, um, his, uh, his orchestra, and it was near the end of Count's <clears throat> time running his own orchestra before he passed. And um, it was uh, literally an hour and a half, and there was not one single note or moment that was out of place. It was just perfection. The best musicians in the world at what they do and led by the man himself. And he was, he was old. I remember the, the band started up and there was nobody at the piano. And about halfway through the, the, the sort of the musical tuning as they were yeah. doing it, this nice little man, they, he was walked out by this, uh, uh, another, you know, somebody who was helping out. He was walked out and sat down at the piano. And when he sat down, both hands came up and the orchestra literally stopped right where they were at. And he plunked out three notes that was the beginning of, oh, and I'm not gonna remember the song now, but, but the beginning notes of a song and boom, they just jumped right in and um, played. It was, it was beautiful. It was showmanship too, which was really kind of cool, but the, for pure musicality, that, I've never heard anything like that since. I love that. My, my grandfather saw him play one of his last concerts with the orchestra on the steps of the Capitol in Jeff City. Oh, how cool is that? Isn't that wild? That's pretty cool. But as far as showmanship, yep. um, showmanship, um, Earth, Wind and Fire, uh, absolutely ridiculously good. Uh, it was during the, I want, I want to say, is it, was it, what was the one with the pyramids on the cover? I am or as if, or something, I can't remember the name of the album, but um, not sure. Uh, the, uh, or, uh, the, 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 there was no uh, entry band, it was just them. And down from the ceiling of the, it was in a big arena. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, this was also maybe in Carbondale uh, at the basketball arena. And uh, the three pyramids descended with the sound of um, yearning learning in the background, uh, you know, it's marimbas are going and everything's going and uh, three pyramids descended. And on the top of the center pyramid was Verdun white, who's the bass player. Uh, and on the top of the right one was Maurice white. And at the top of the left one was Philip Bailey. And they slid in the middle of the song, they slid down these pyramids. <laughs> got to the bottom, the pyramids lifted, and the rest of the band was inside the pyramids. How? How? I know. I know. It was, it was one of those things where, you know, shoot, we're, we're theater people. I still didn't know how they did it. I had no earthly clue how they did that, but it was just, it was crazy. And it was, um, and it, of course, everybody jumped to their feet and then stayed on their feet for two hours. It was just great, wonderful funk. Um, Beautiful uh, ballads, you know. It was uh, Earthland and Fire. It was it was great. Um, then Super Tramp. 
saw them at Kemper Arena. Oh, nice. Many years ago. And um, they were great just because I loved their music and, and uh, liked the, the, what I was listening to. But they were the f one of the first bands I saw to use big, huge screens behind video screens. Oh, sure. And, and um, for, uh, I don't want to say, Take the Long Way Home, maybe. Uh -huh. um, whatever camera was filming them, they showed on the screen with like a two-second lag. And I, I, I was pretty stoned. And it was <laughs> one of the strangest, most wonderful things I'd ever seen because you were watching them do it but also watching sort of an echo of them doing it up on these huge big screens and that was that was a uh, pretty spectacular and that was a great concert they played for a long time oh man i yeah i hear they my uh i think it was my dad that was talking about that maybe my uncle he saw them perform you know like breakfast in america uh, era there you go and yeah. it was like a three and a half hour show i mean like i've never heard of anybody else maybe other than bruce springsteen uh, being able to do that. Yeah, Cheryl and I saw Springsteen in Dallas and it was a three and a half hour show. It was great. I believe it. Man, I, I saw this. Uh, it actually wasn't a very good <laughs> evening of music. Uh, it was actually at the city market. It was before I lived here. And I, I went to this oh. kind of mini, mini festival that took place in one night. And it was uh, this band called Silver Sun Pickups, kind of power punk. Um, oh, nice. against Against me, which is just regular punk. Ben Folds and then Devo. Really? And, yeah. And what a so, bizarre combination. I'm telling you what, it wasn't only a bizarre combination of bands and just individual artists. It was a really, really toxic combination of uh, fans. Oh, that's not good. You know, the people who like against me are not going to probably jive with the, the goobers <laughs> that love Ben Folds, which is why I was there. <laughs> But worse I, I, than, I can say that I'm a goober who likes Ben Folds. I'm me old. too. <laughs> and I thought, I really thought I appreciated Devo. Little did I know through similar screens kind of going on behind them because they were being filmed as well with like freaky filters over their faces. I'm pretty right. sure they're Satanists. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, not, not, not like Church of Satan. I'm talking like, like de not Satanists, devil worshipers. <laughs> I got and, you. There is a difference. And, yeah, of course. And and we were we were similarly stoned, going like, "Where's Ben? Bring Ben back." This is bad. He's cute with his piano and stuff, and his, his millennial thing. I like it uh, when he covers Wham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's when he covers Barry Manilow that I get the most excited. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, I saw Genesis once, and that was. Uh, the first, the first tour post Peter Gabriel leaving, mm -hmm. uh, the Trick of the Tail tour, and um, that was a, a, a great concert. Partly because they were also great showmen, but uh, also, and in my opinion, in, uh, impeccable musicians, um, especially early on as they were kind of finding their way without Peter. And um, Chester Thompson uh, played drums along with Phil. And uh, the very first song they did was Robbery, Assault, and Battery, which is the uh. first song off of um, uh, Trick of the Tail. And uh, Phil was getting into the drums and everything, and there was that little section in the center, which is mostly a drum solo. Um, 
drums and keyboard solo. And as he was playing, his chair began to lift. So his arms were still moving, but they were not touching the drums. And yet the drums were still going. And then as he got near the apex, the lights came up on Chester and Chester was playing the drums. And that's how they got the drums going. And that was a lot of fun. He came around to the front of the kit a lot in that concert. Um, but Chester played some and, and uh, along with the, the regular band, uh, Daryl Sturmer, who is, uh, I think one of the great unsung guitar players in the world. Oh, absolutely. I Tony am. Levin, who, um, great bass player for so many different people going way, way, way back, but a lot of lot for Peter when he was solo and one of the great bass players in, in uh, rock music, um, especially progressive rock, uh, lived in Lawrence for about three years. And um, back when I was uh, managing the uh, borders, he used to come in and um, get a cup of coffee and grab a book and go sit and read. And it was, it was a, and so I went and sat and talked with him one time and, and uh, he talked about all the incredible people that he played with from Clapton and all the rest. And he said, uh, I will ask you a question and you, you won't be able to answer it. And I said, all right. And he said, well, who's the best guitar player ever? I said, well, uh, I will say probably from pure skill, Chet Atkins. Oh, wow. Who could play lead, rhythm, and bass line on a guitar, an acoustic guitar, at the same time. Sure. Which is crazy good. Um, but, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Jimmy Page and all the rest of it. And he said, yeah, they're all great. He said, Daryl Sturmer is the best guitar player in the world. And I'll be damned. Okay. <laughs> he said, you ask him, you tell him any guitar player, he can make the guitar sound like that. Oh, okay. So okay, sure. that was a nice little inside scoop from Tony Levin. Yeah, man, I think. The name uh, drop. Yeah, you dropped something there. Uh, I, I want to say my favorite guitarist. Mm. I don't know. Clapton's pretty good. Peter yes. Green. Peter Green oh, was yeah, there pretty you go. crazy cool. And, and early um, Fleetwood. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, early, early, early Fleetwood kind of has a right, Sid right. Barrett type of story. And there um, you go. <laughs> And, and you know, which is a I, great story. Oh, so, so good. And I mean, kind of makes it sadder and maybe kind of colors, you know, the way you look at his guitar playing a, a little bit. But I mean, that aside, you know, his mental illness and, and addictions and whatnot aside, sure. that that man could play the blues. Nice. Yeah. I think that's a good, uh, 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 good call. But it's also a, a fun call because it causes um, discussion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and because then you get to talk a little bit about early Fleetwood and say, "Oh, you've never heard this? Well, guess what? You're in for a treat." <laughs> oh, big treat! It's like a whole other band. <laughs> it is. Well, and and two only two fifths of what we remained, right? Of course, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, until now, because um, right. now didn't Mike Campbell take over Lindsey Buckingham's spot? Who? Mike Campbell. He um. He was the guitarist for the Heartbreakers for a real long time. Oh, yeah, yeah and he's—I—I I was talking to I think my dad, who had a friend 
who had a brother, no, I'm just kidding, uh, who had a friend that saw <laughs> Fleetwood and said that Mike Campbell was so much better and um, then oh. or at least just as good as, as Lindsay. And also you kind of had wow. the added relief of like, will they or won't they, Lindsay and Stevie, like just rip each other to shreds <laughs> in, real, <laughs> in real time. Yeah, I, I, um, I wonder. Uh, Lindsay is awfully good. Awfully oh, he's so good. But there's, when you think about it, there are so many good rock guitarists because, you know, that's the, that's the thing. And, and um, if you followed it and kind of dug into it and read about it at all, um, every one of them has not only a story about themselves and about their beginnings, but about the people who influenced them and, and who they think is the greatest. I remember hearing the story about um, Jimi Hendrix uh, back when he was opening for the Monkees. <laughs> right. Um, and, and things like that. But, but Hendrix saying that the best guitar player he'd ever heard to, at that point was Terry Kath who was the guitar player for Chicago, who ended up shooting himself after about the first four or five Chicago albums. Wow. And now you, I, I think Chicago's brilliant and musically they were really quite good. Um, but I don't think I would have ever thought of Terry Kath as the greatest guitar player. Interesting. And it is sort of fascinating. And then, you know, uh, Clapton, not only talking about how great Hendrix was, but talking about Dwayne Allman being the greatest guitar player that he ever heard. And I'll, I'm 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 on board with that. That's for sure. I mean, at Dwayne least Allman, and, yeah, yeah, greats, crazy, crazy good. Um, but you know, it, it's it's, and, and then there's the ones like Jeff Beck who never had a single hit, you know, uh, a, a moment that he could say that the whole world could hear him. And so he was not nearly as famous as Jimmy Page or Stevie Howe or, or Eric Clapton or Jimi Hendrix. But man, listen to some of the Jeff Beck stuff and you'll go, that's, how can anybody be better than that? Oh yeah, I've got his first, uh, his first release on vinyl. I was thinking about playing it the other day, but it was just too rainy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I- uh... You're good. I no, you're good. And speaking of you being good first, because <laughs> um, you're the oldest. Um, I am the oldest, so I'll go first <laughs> on these dumb things. Um, how do we know each other? Okay, you want me to tell that story? Yeah, tell the story. All right. Um, I, I, I'm sure I knew of you mm -hmm. before all this happened. And I know I had talked to more than one person probably Kip first, but, but more than one person who had said, here's a, a young man who needs to be in your sights because he's a, a fine young actor, but I don't think we'd ever met. I don't think no. we'd, ever, we'd ever been face to face with each other. And uh, Michael and Andy at uh, Spinning Tree, um, actually I think it was Michael who called and said, we, we've got a thing that we think you'd be good at um, can you come in and have a cup of coffee and we'll, we'll sit down and we'll talk about it. And I said, sure, that, that, of course, I, I, I love those two boys to death. They're, they're the best people to work for the best producers. I think ever that I've worked for. Um, 
plus they're just nice guys. <laughs> um, and so uh, I went in and talked to Michael and he was talking about every brilliant thing. And he said, here's this, this, uh, um, this play. And I said, I, you know, I, I, I know of it, of course, but I, I don't really know it very well. And he says, well, it's a one man or one woman show. Um, and I had just done the year before a full gallop with Cheryl for him. And so I think in their head, they were thinking, well, that can handle one per person shows. Uh, and, and they said that here's the only thing though, is that we've already cast the role. And, you know, one half of my brain went, uh, you're not going to ask me to direct a play where I didn't get to choose the person who's in it. I wondered about that. <laughs> but then the other half of my brain went, well, you know, I, I love these boys and I, and I trust them. And, and, um, uh, I, I really, I, I want the work. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so sure. Yeah. And so he gave me a copy of the script and he said, the guy's name is R.H. Wilhoit and, uh, you'll, um, but, but we all call him Hollis. I went, okay. Um, said, well, <laughs> but you, you have to call him Greg. That's right. You have to call him Biff. Okay, yeah. Biff. Um, <laughs> so I took the script home that night and read it like four times. Yeah. And of course, as you and I got to talk about many, many times, it, it absolutely floored me and put me away. But I have to be honest, the more I read it, the more I thought, wow, the person who takes on this role has got to be some kind of special actor because it's going to require everything that we're taught as actors, yeah. not just, you know, you, you, you can't do this one just from the inside out or just from the outside in. You can't just figure out his physical body or his psychological body. You got to do all of those things. And you have to be good on your feet. You have to be yeah. alive and awake on the planet at every moment. And so, honestly, I got to get a little nervous. And I started thinking, who, who, okay, I got to find out more about uh, RH. And so then I think through, I'm either guessing through text or emails, or maybe Michael put us together. We, we set up our first meeting. Yeah. At, is it Murdoch's? Uh, Monarch. Yeah, on Broadway. Monarch. Yeah. Monarch on Broadway, the, the coffee shop. And I personally, and for anybody who knows you and I now, uh, the rest is history. We had the, I want to say three hours. Oh, yeah. Of, it was a long, long afternoon and in the uh, best way. Oh, it was absolutely glorious. But you're set up to be a hello. I'm going to be your director. Hi, I'm going to be your actor. I think we can probably do this show, but let's make sure we, you know, don't hate each other on first sight. God, and, right. you know, and um, goodness gracious, I, 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 you know, Cheryl will tell you, I came home from that meeting and just went, I, I, I think I'm in love. And <laughs> I, I, I have less doubt now than I could ever have that this thing will work because I just, I found you not just um, to be uh, charming and winning, which you were, and you are, you're both those things. Thanks, um, but I found you to be uh, curious and sort of insatiable and sort of fascinated by so many things. And we hit 
on quite a few, but we were completely different on those others. And those were fascinating to me as well. So that oh, yeah. everything, everything that we uh, got to talk about and got to take part of and, and, and got to sort of pick apart there as we were trying to figure out each other's heads um, <laughs> was, was uh, uh, wonderful and fascinating. And so um, it, uh, uh, it, one of my all time favorite first meetings ever. Oh man, uh, <laughs> same here. And um, you must I, have I, had some qualms about signing up to do a, a one-person show, and the only person yeah. who's going to help you through is a guy you have no earthly idea who the hell he is. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I, I remember. I might have. I might have told you the story. I might not have. Um, we were doing the Nance several months right. before, right? And. Um, uh, so through spinning tree, and we were going through a pretty tough tech. I think that's safe to say it was a it was a really tough number to nail down, and it was right. just a tough a tough tech in general. It was a a wonderful show and a wonderful experience, wonderful creative experience. Just not trying to cover my bases here. It really was. It was just <laughs> you know you know you know how bad tech can be. It can kind of make I you feel do like know it. I do. Maybe know it. you're done. Maybe you're done with this whole thing. And um, I was sitting down, just kind of watching something or other kind of fall apart and it wasn't on again nobody's fault it just was right. and andy sat down andy hadn't been directing it was michael and nicole greenberg mm -hmm. and uh but he was there just kind of checking in on on things maybe bringing sammy by or something and he sat down next to me i was in the audience at just off broadway just watching things and uh right he goes hey have, have you ever heard of this show every brilliant thing and i i'm not even really processing the conversation just kind of like half paying attention half shocked i was like yeah it's the one person thing right he's like yeah well you know we're thinking about doing it next year i was like that's really nice that's good <laughs> my world's like, well, falling we, apart here andy just so you know yeah i'm really i'm really excited to see it uh, um but yeah he mentioned doing it and um my mind was kind of blown and i went home uh that evening and I you know I watched the special because I didn't have a copy right. of the script I but I, right. I had been familiar and and I'm telling you what from moment one in that special where he's you know walking around passing out slips of paper or whatever mm -hmm. talking to different people but um <laughs> that aside for moment one of the show where he starts talking about his mom and all of the struggles he had with his mother I was like well I've got to do this because <laughs> it just like, hit. The, yeah I mean the best um, theater while it's there's a risk of being indulgent but I mean you know you're not only working through the characters problems but you're so connected to them that you're sticking up for both them and yourself you know what absolutely. I mean absolutely and uh and of course you know by the time you, you go to battle to, for your character you know you do oh yeah and especially this guy you know all well, of this person anybody could play the right. role but um but then you know then came that total total fear of well it better be you know, this director better be somebody that I've worked with and like loved because, <laughs> because he might, you know, they might not get along with me. I might really not get along with them and not feel safe. <laughs> and at that time it was going to be either a mystery director or Michael. Right. And um, it wasn't until like, you know, months later that I got the, the text from Michael saying, here's the guy's number. He's got yours. Look out. <laughs> And I was like, well, I've seen, I saw a zoo story. 
and oh, loved okay. that. So it's like, well, if he can, if he can do that, and of course I knew your reputation, you're a great, great man, but I was like, I don't know. I don't know huh. if I'm going to be comfortable with anybody. Um, and th those are my own insecurities. And, you know, also being scared that you can't, I think, I think you and I have talked about maybe the similarity between us, like feeling like you can't approach uh, a character quite that open without seeming like, um, like I've played a lot of villains in my life or goofballs and I didn't want this person to come across as right. um, too dismal or uh, too dark. We talked about that first rehearsal. I remember that. Oh very, yeah. Very sure. Yeah. So did, you, did uh, you talk to anybody about me? Did you say, have you ever worked with this guy? You know anything about him? Who did I talk to about you? <laughs> Will Fritz. Oh, I love Will. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, he adores you and you know, he's the, He's the first real person <laughs> that I met in Kansas City at a, at oh, a that's callback. Neat. That's neat. And yeah, so he's always, you know, this person that I go to. I'm like, hey, I, you know, you know, he has everybody's uh, zodiac signs memorized, and you know, <laughs> they're rising real. suns and moon. Oh yeah, he could tell you more about yourself than you know. <laughs> and, <laughs> I somehow yeah. believe that. Oh, it's it's so true. He'll be feisty about it too. Um, <laughs> but he he definitely said, you know, that I, that I'd be safe. And that's all I needed to know, man. And then, you know, once Spencer came on board, it was, that was a dream team. That was, yeah, that, that, uh, and, and in all honesty, that sort of ended up making it sort of perfect for me because I was, I was <clears throat> not that I was nervous about you, but I knew that I had to have somebody working with me who would, for those times when, when a director gets a little out of hand, and we all do, and I know mm -hmm. this, someone who would be your advocate sure. in those moments when, when I was there thinking about the bigger picture and nobody was there thinking about you for that moment, um, I knew that our stage manager had to be your, your advocate. And when I found out that, that you guys knew each other and that you were very comfortable with him, um, that, that that was really important to me that that yeah, was man. really a big deal well and granted you know we never you know i i can only maybe think of one rehearsal where things got a little out of hand and not even in a bad <laughs> way we just couldn't stop laughing i uh, do remember that I, I i adore those rehearsals as long as they don't come you know every other one um, yeah oh exactly but, but when you get one of those i adore those because those are the moments where you um I, at least for me, where, where the, the bond is finished, where you uh -huh. tighten it up so much that, that nobody there, uh, th they could bring in a tank and we're okay because we got the three of us and it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, that's an important thing. That's important. What was your, what was your favorite part about working on that? Uh, like it, it being in that room. Oh, the little room there? Yeah. The What's church? something that stands out? Um, I, 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 a couple things. Um, I love the fact that, that the, you guys brought in the, the um, turntable mm -hmm. and that we would listen to, to music in that little room. And uh, that room feels special to me because Cheryl and I worked and, and uh, TJ worked on, and Victoria uh, worked on full gallop in that room. And it was just wow. the four of us then. And uh, 
the three of us for this one. And it, it seemed like, um, it seemed a, a, a haven. It seemed like a comfortable place for us to be where craziness could happen and, and we could all try odd and strange and different things and it was okay because it was just us. Yeah. And uh, so it felt, it felt safe. I, that's my favorite thing about that. What about for you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm usually not too uh, comfortable in churches for various reasons, <laughs> but, but there was some, you know, we, we rehearsed in the cafeteria for the Nance. Uh-huh. Um, and I think choreographed in the, in the room that every brilliant thing ended up rehearsing in. But uh, I, I've always felt so at home and, you know, besides, you know, the portraits of uh, past reverends <laughs> on, the, on the wall, it's pretty homey. You know, there were two pianos in the room and I could kind of, you know, screw around on those on breaks. And, uh, you, you know, you, you were able to take your smoke breaks and not feel like you were being judged. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 I assume... Oh, I, you know, and I mean, it's just, it was that kind of environment where, you know, we, we could be having a conversation in between, you know, working the script and, and say shit like shit or fuck, fuck mm. me. And, uh, you know, somebody <laughs> might, somebody might be in the office, you know, a few feet away and we didn't feel like we were disrespecting the space. Of course, we don't want to get out of control or out of hand, but. Um, oh, we kind of wanted to, but we didn't. <laughs> right, right, right. But I mean, just the fact that we could work in a church and mm-hmm. not necessarily be looked down on, especially dealing with things as, as you know, sensitive as this relationship with the character's mother or, uh, right. or you know, su- suicide and, um, and all right. that. I, I never felt like I was being watched by anybody who didn't give a shit about Good. the play. That, That's yeah. important. Yeah. Yeah, but so yeah, that and all of the records, man. That that was you know, vinyl played such a huge, huge part in the show, and so I I loved kind of scoring the day. I I understand that completely, and I I, I got to say that that it um it it was one of the the keys to that very first meeting of you and I is when we both found out, at least for me, that we both found out that we had record players still mm-hmm. and that we had albums and that we loved the sound and the feel and the texture and everything else of um, vinyl. Uh, yeah. That was big. That was huge. It's here, and I, I don't, I think any kind of separation from that medium, you know, from, uh, actor to director uh, right. that, that that would have been such a sad uh, empty space you know <laughs> i agree yeah. i agree all right i'm going to switch i'm going to switch gears on you is that okay oh go for it so i asked you this a little bit earlier um and i only ask because uh you know it's one of the three questions but um also huh. you and i you and i have talked about our you know our our doldrums and our dark periods yep you know, that kind of dark passenger type situation. Oh, yeah. Um, how, how are you kind of navigating that through this pandemic, this quarantine? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I have had, it's, it's interesting because I have had more reasons over the last three, four months to not only see the clouds on the horizon, but to fear their 
approach and, and to know that they're here. Mm. Um, and yet I haven't. Um, wow. My, I, I, you know, I'm knocking on every piece of wood I can find and, and um, same, but <laughs> that's what blessing the heavens. But um, it is, I, boy, I've had some bad days, um, but you and I both know the difference between having a bad day and when the, the clouds come and you can't see. Yeah, the yeah. bad day. The bad day, exactly. And, um, you know, uh, this, this thing being, being, oh, man, it's like caged. I love my house. I uh -huh. love my house. Cheryl has done, this is a home. This is our home. And it is so comfortable. And she's done such amazing work to make it the most wonderful space. And yet it feel, there's days where it feels like a cage. You know, of course, I, because I have to be here. Um, and um, my mother and father are going through just a, a really hard time right now. And they're in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and I can't get to them and I can't take care of them. And that that makes me crazy beyond all belief. And, and mm -hmm. my um, school, I, 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 I'm a theater teacher who's trying to learn how to distance teach. <laughs> online and that's just crazy um thank god my school's supportive and and um the headmaster who you know because he played the <laughs> you chose him out of the audience to be oh, right. the, the, <laughs> the reader that the professor that, yeah um is a wonderful man and has been incredibly supportive and everybody there is great and i think i'm figuring out ways to do it it's not the same. And, and no matter how many times I, I look at the computer and say, well, there you go. See, this is exactly the same as you standing in front of me. Hmm. And it's not. Um, but I'm figuring out ways to, to at least make it interesting and sort of exciting for the students as much as we can. Yeah. So, you know, r regardless of all of that and all of it seeming to pile up. I don't know whether it's because um, deep inside, I know that, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I was trying to think my way through that, but I, I, I don't really know why Hollis, but, but it has been uh, sad and hard and tough at times, but um, the, the bad day has stayed away. And Good. so knocking on wood and, and blessing that. How about you, my friend? Well, you know, real, real quick, um, just because I think we suffer from similar uh, yes. stra strains of depression in terms of how, how paralyzing it can be sometimes. Yep. Uh, especially for you know people that are usually in a in a pretty good mood or, or perceived of as people that are you know more more <laughs> more light surprises than people, doesn't it? He, yeah. Uh, <laughs> although they look at my eyebrows and they're like, no, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's house with the eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets sad or angry. Um, <laughs> but I I do want to say that I'm 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 relieved. Um, I'm also not surprised that you've been in a pretty okay spot and you've been able to keep the bad day away because if there's one thing I, I know about you, it's that uh, you really, really love a challenge. And, <laughs> if that ch and if that challenge 
is paired with um, you know being there for your students and making something fun for them right now, especially in a time that we're all really fucking scared. Right. It, I, I, I'm so glad they have you to step up to the plate for them, man. Oh. I, I, I mean that. You're a nice man, and I like that about you. <laughs> but, um, you know, I ran into a little bit of a health scare that I'm still dealing with. It's the same stuff that was going on um, during really? our, our deal. Yeah, it kind of had another flare-up, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's a really weird time for it to happen because, you know, all of this... Uh, you know, the uh, symptoms of coronavirus, a lot of people, for, for most people, it lives in their lungs, you know, and just right. sits there. Right. Uh, you know, it can feel like some kind of a pneumonia or, you know, but then you mix that with uh, similar symptoms of anxiety and similar symptoms of sure. this, this, this thing that I'm dealing with. So it's like, which one of these three is it? Is it the big thing? Oh. Like, should I, should I, you know, <laughs> just go right to the ER? Is right, it anxiety? Right. Do I need to meditate? Or is it this thing that I just need to breathe through? Well, after like 12 days, um, I started to kind of get freaked out and it started to kind of transcend the physical and, and get a bit more mental, right? You know, where you, you kind of feel like in a cage in a cage, you know, a cage within a cage. Right. And, um, but I've been forcing myself to, well, so, you know, this phone call project is so fun and um but i won't lie and say that a lot of it isn't selfish so you know i've been doing <laughs> i've been doing more of them and just really trying to reach out more and just talking not necessarily about uh my health but just talking really helps um saying out loud to elisa you know this is how i'm feeling uh even right. if i even if that's something is something that might scare her you know how I mean? blessed I, you are I, to, how blessed you are to have her young man Oh, buddy, I, I tell you what, we, um, <laughs> you and I lucked out with some pretty, yeah, we did, some anyway. pretty feeling people. Um, yeah. so yeah, that's, that's, that's why I'm at. How's Cheryl? Uh, you know, she's the same as, as all of us. She's, she's, um, there are days when she is so strong that I think the reason, one of the reasons that the big day doesn't come along for me is that I, I, I have her. Yeah. Um, she's strength and intelligence and funny and all the rest of that but she has her days too yeah. uh and and um you know this even better than i do um because you're an actor and she's an actress and and the two of you are performers and right now that job is not available mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that your desire goes away <laughs> no no <laughs> So it's, it's, um, there are days that are hard. Um, there are days when, when for her and and for me, where, you know, you got to fight a bureaucracy to try to figure out how to take care of yourself when you can't. And, um, it's, so there, there's hard moments and there's, there's hard things to face, but on the other hand, um, you know, she's the best cook on the planet. <laughs> yeah. And so I am stuck and I'm using air quotes, even though you can't see it. I can hear um, it. At home. <laughs> yeah, really. Squeak, squeak, squeak. Um, stuck uh, here at home eating the greatest food <laughs> in the world. Yeah. So, you know, th- there's outlets. Um, we're, we're reworking and redoing some of the house and, you know, and things like that. And so there's, projects 
to keep us busy. And, and those projects mean even more to her than to me because they are hers. They're, they're her invention and her need to, you know, fulfill a space. Sure. Um, so, you know, it, it's tough. How about Alyssa? How's she doing? She's good. Alyssa's good. She's, um, she, you know, can work from home. Nice. Which is really, which is really nice, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, her own self-worth and her, um, well, the, the house's, you know, financial stability and, sure. and what, what not. I've been able to uh, save a little from the last few projects, but you know, right now, like you just said, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of effing tough, man. And um, uh, in terms of, you know, wanting and, and not being able to um, provide in, in the ways that, that I want. And, you know, that's, that, that's a, Right. That, that's a human thing, but you know, it's kind of a silly ass man thing that maybe I need to get over and breathe through on those, on those days. Um, oh, but she, but she do probably need to breathe through them, but they're not just men. I know a lot of women like that too. Well, no, of course I'm, I'm not trying to be single. So, uh, but no, she's great. We, you know, we've been watching so, so much TV and I'm telling you what, man, uh, we're going through the leftovers right now again. Yeah, and I I know you and I did, that was maybe one that we butted heads on, wasn't it? A little bit, a little bit, yes. Because I, you, I don't think it's bad. It's just it was right. The, there was parts of it that were not my cup of tea. Oh, it's bleak. Um, yeah, but but you got through the first season and and called it called it good, correct? Yeah, that's what I did. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you what, man. If you want, and I, I know I know it's bleak, but it that show. And uh, I, it, it comes with a nice big dose of hope by the end. And, oh, good. Uh, okay. And, you know, granted, at the same time, it's all about, you know, 2% of the world pop percent uh, of the world's population disappears. And, uh, how do we deal it's with that? It's just gone. It's just yeah. gone. And that, you know, that's the mortality rate right now of the world, which is kind of wild. No, um, it is, isn't it? Ooh, God. Yeah, yeah. But it... Out of that. Well, you know, surprisingly, though... It's um, it's really leveling. It's it's very humbling and not uh, not in a dark way. So yeah, we've been watching that. She's, uh, she and I have watched some some Disney movies, and you know we're walking the dog more than maybe we should. But uh, <laughs> I think we're burning more calories than we're taking in some days. I I, I have to tell you that I knew mm -hmm. when we did um. House of Blue Leaves. I knew what I was getting with you, of course, because mm -hmm. I am the number one Hollis fan in the world. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, but I wasn't sure uh, with her. And with her? Oh, yeah. She was spectacular. Her last monologue, though. <laughs> Just put me out. Uh-huh. Oh my God! Yeah, it it um there's uh, everybody was was spectacular and I was so mm -hmm. pleased to have such a, a a lovely cast each and every time I do it I'm always glad about that but um everyone else I knew and everyone else I I was not I I, I got brilliant things but I expected brilliant things yeah. I was so pleased and happy and excited to watch her work and to see the it, it's it's real truncated obviously because we've got 36 hours yeah but to, but to watch the arc uh, of her work and to see where the first read through we have and then to watch it sort of expand in her head and to, for her to find those nice quick easy 
but also fascinating little ways to play a moment to say a word and it was oh it was a treat oh god her runs across the stage to the the uh, stage, you know those in, in in a format that doesn't mean doesn't care about movement right it right. was brilliant <laughs> you know i had so many people afterwards uh talk to me about um well a couple of people that had done the show before uh-huh. and, they, and, and they they said two things they loved your idea with the flashcards like with the you know oh, okay the, the character sheets but cool. they also had never seen the nuns played so fully oh good like, and so vibrantly because you know i feel like they can kind of uh you know on on paper at least you're like okay these effing right. nuns i i can't even i can't even picture them i can't i can't even animate them in my mind because they're yeah they're, they're a device they're just they're a device yeah and they're just maybe jumping off the page and too much in your face it's like well i got to see that done well and i probably won't uh, right and and those three i mean they were they're such they were such wildly different uh, actors yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. nancy marcy sarah labar and Elisa Lynn. And Elisa Lynn. Think about that. I know. You couldn't get much three more different, unique, and fun people. I know. Oh, my man. So since we've been spending so much time alone, like when, uh, when, you're, not, when you're not teaching or talking to Cheryl, or right. actually, no, no, when you're talking to Cheryl, when you're spending time with Cheryl, is there, any, <laughs> is there anything that you've learned about yourself or your relationship with her, just your relationship with the world that, uh, that you're gonna be able to use once this is all over? Oh, yes. That's a pertinent and deep and good question. And Thanks, man. I, I don't know. <laughs> is there anything that I've learned about? There, there's things that, I've, that I, I knew about myself, but I have been reminded like a slap in the face about myself in the last right. month. Um, I know that um, I am stubborn, mm -hmm. um, but I've always been really pretty good at um, uh, leavening that um, when it comes to uh, things. But there's been two or three times here where the, the stubborn has been reminded to me in a strong way, and, and I'm, I'm sort of... I'm I'm hoping that I've learned that that uh, stubborn's really really important when you're trying to get ahead in your career and things like that. But stubborn is stupid as hell in relationships and in your house. Period. I mean, with it the is. pets, with uh, yeah, of course, it's dumb. And um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm I'm hoping that I've learned that uh, that stubborn has its place, and 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 I need to make sure that it doesn't appear when it shouldn't. Um, you know, I've learned that I am a really good listener and that surprise, that doesn't surprise me, I guess, cause I'm a, a sometime writer and, a, and an observer as an actor and as a director, but I am, I'm not just a good listener. I like to listen. I, I like to get someone started and then just let them roll. And, um, I've learned things about Cheryl that I, you know, many, many long years. I'm not allowed to say how many because, you know, she's an actress and we can't know. 12. Yeah, 12 years. 12 um, years. Congratulations. Many, thanks, man. Uh, <laughs> I feel good about it. I feel really good. Um, 12 years good. Oh, baby. 
that's the 10 anniversary. I can't remember. Um, but I, uh, I, I have learned that I'm a, I'm a good listener and um, I, I, I want to keep, I want to keep honing in on it. Cause I think that's, that's so, I, I love that, especially about you because you're also a very good speaker and I'm not, I'm not buttering, I'm not buttering your bread, but you know, sometimes you, I, well, I could think of a couple actors in town, you know, or not, not in town, just actors I've met that are really great speakers and man, do I love listening to them. But the second I respond, it's just like, oh, gone. <laughs> What's that noise? Again? You know, not, that again? Uh, gone. Uh, I like that noise. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's, that's, that's nice. I don't know, to kind of not necessarily pat yourself on the back. I don't think that's what you're doing, but to give yourself some credit. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty good about finding the things that I don't do well, but I'm not, I'm, I'm pretty good about, <laughs> sure, we'll tell you, I'm really good about <laughs> being proud of myself. So <clears throat> you got to do both. Tell, tell yeah. me something from you. Food. Food. Right now, this is one of those moments where um, uh, if we can get these things, we are indulging ourselves, I've noticed. Um, oh yes especially in the um the things that maybe aren't quite so good like i have um i haven't had them in about three days but for a while there it was the frozen it was the mini cadbury eggs (laughs) frozen yeah and i i i just it was a viciously um intense relationship that i had with these frozen eggs and then slowly but surely it was important to replace that because you know my body doesn't need all that sugar so now it is uh snyder's pretzel rods and port wine cheese and i oh that'll do it and peanut butter and i dip them in those and that's that's my that's my go-to what in the hell are you doing doug food so what's yours i i love that because you know at the beginning of this we you know, we went out and really stocked the house and, um, right. you know, with, with good stuff and, and not so bad right. stuff, you know, like uh, Little Debbie's oatmeal cream pies were like oh, a huge... God, those are uh, good. Aren't those great? Oh, man, they're so fucking good. And, and, I just, and I just, I love them because it reminds me of a safe time when I was taken care of, right? Which at the sure, beginning sure. of this, none of us were really feeling that. But right. like, you know, like you said, I started realizing that my, my, my stomach um, just couldn't really take it. And so... <laughs> <laughs> my my treat to myself late at night after Elisa has gone to bed because I'm, I'm a little bit more of a, a night owl than her. I'll, right. I'll do uh, baby carrots and light ranch dressing, um, oh, mostly God. just because it it reminds me of my dad and uh, you know oh, of I love course, it. yeah he's been on my mind a lot lately and I just I I want him here but I also want something that's like kind of good but kind of like awful for me. You know. Oh, that's great! Baby carrots and light ranch dressing. <laughs> yeah. That's dynamite. I'm gonna have to try it now, of course. I'm gonna, Do it, man. Get some raw broccoli to, in there too. I'm going to, and and I I recommend to you to go get some pretzel rods and peanut butter or port wine cheese, beer bar cheese. What do they call it? Beer cheese. Oh, okay. Do you like a gouda by any chance? Are you like a Love cheese per- person? I'm a cheese nut. Yes. Well, uh, Elisa has been um been kind of opening me up to different kinds of cheeses and so we've been having these kind of off-brand triscuits rosemary and olive oil <laughs> with with gouda uh cheese like little squares and it's just been rocking i love it that's hers I, I bet you she'd tell you that's hers here's here's my 
goofy ass story for Easter time. I, um, I, you know, we go to the store once, maybe a week and I go at seven o'clock in the morning uh-huh. um, when the Hy-Vee first opens and they open from seven to eight for old people, which is, uh, that was hard enough for me to say I'm one of those people anyway. <laughs> Card but I went at seven o'clock and, and it's nice and clean and they're stocked with just about everything at that moment. So it's really great. Um, and I was doing the shopping for Easter and we're not huge religious folks but um easter's always been kind of a, a fun special day and so cheryl said mm-hmm. she made out a list uh we've finally gotten yeast so she made cinnamon rolls oh my god those were just it's just it, actually i think probably it was sinful but it was so good um <laughs> but on the list was ham because i'm assuming that we're the easter ham and so what she wanted me to get was a little bit of sliced ham so she could put it in with the quiche she was making. Right. So, because I'm me and an oh, no, idiot, don't. I went, yes, what did I buy? <laughs> I went and bought like a full fucking full big eight pounds, <laughs> 12 pound whatever, <laughs> ham. And so, guess what Doug's going to be eating for the next week? That ham. Ham with eggs for breakfast. Ham sandwich. <laughs> it's like that scene. That scene in Forrest Gump. Ham sandwich. Ham salad. Ham sandwich. <laughs> sure, I, I was unloading the, the, the groceries and she just looked at me. She said, "Really? Really, Doug? Is that what you thought? Really?" <laughs> Does she ever call you Douglas when she's upset with you? Does that piss you off when people call you Douglas? Uh. You know, I don't let anybody very rarely call me Douglas because <laughs> Douglas Wayne Weaver Jr., that was my mom. When I was in trouble, I was full named. Oh, and wow. I'm a junior, so I was Douglas Williams Weaver Jr. But um, no, when, she, when I'm in trouble, there's, there's other names. <laughs> yeah. Dickhead, asshole. She's much wittier with her words than I am. But um, <laughs> no, Douglas was always mom. No, not, nobody else... Every once in a while, my boss calls me that when I'm in trouble as well, and there's something kind of weird and twisted about that, but still. I, uh, I had this call from Bank of America the other day because my card was compromised for about the 26th time. Oh, God. And uh, they said, hello, yes, I'm, we're looking for Robert. And for a second, I forgot. Like, oh, that's not who you, act- no, 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 that's. That's, that's that is me. me. Son of a gun, I'm Robert. Yeah. Were you ever Bobby? I was never Bobby. I was never Robbie because um do you have time for a quick story? Am I Go taking up it, too man. much of your time? I'm, I'm your dude. So I had this um no, I was always going to be Hollis. I was also always going to be named Robert. My first name was always gonna be Robert. And because my two grandfathers on on both sides, they were both named Robert. So it's like, well, get that out of the way, we'll make them, you know, happy. Uh but I was named Hollis after this um, this kind of wily magician that would come to my mother's school and do assemblies and his name was Hollis overall and um, <laughs> mom the story goes mom had this wow. dream and you know they had been wondering what the middle name should be for a while and she ran into the shower where my dad was and my dad I think maybe he was maybe he was hungover or something he, he wasn't ready for a surprise shower visit Right. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I've got it. Yeah, I've got it. It's, it's Hollis. But no, I, I used to have this dream whenever I was little 
um, that the screen would appear and long, long story short, the screen would appear on my wall. I'd wake up in the dream in my bed screen was there. And I was looking at this, um, stairways pro profile and this kid in blue footy pajamas walked down the stairs and I had it in my head. It's like, well, this is my new babysitter's kid. And his name was Robbie. And he would look at me and scream silently. Um, it wasn't, in, and it's just so terrifying. It wasn't until years later that my therapist was like, why was his name Robbie? And I was like, I don't know. I don't remember them talking about that really. And she was like, wait, and pulled out my file. And she was like, your first name's Robert. <laughs> your first little accusatory, your first mm -hmm. name's Robert. Yeah, and I was like, yeah. oh, you mean my problems are worse? Cool. Nope. <laughs> so glad I'm here with you right now. Really am. Yeah, really am. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love talking to you so much and I miss talking to you so much. I, I appreciate you taking all of this time. Oh, I would, I would, I, I told this to Cheryl. I would crawl across hot coals on my bare feet if you asked me to, pal. I think oh, the world of you. And uh, the second we're able to, let's, um, Maybe not, not nothing that painful, but I'll, we'll do a slow motion run towards each other. I, I miss I your hugs. It. I love it. Absolutely. All right. Well, give my love to Cheryl. Will do. Right, and take care you. of Elisa for me. I will. All right, pal. Love, I love, love you, man. Love. I, love I love you. Always. See you later. Bye, Captain. Thank you so much to Doug for taking the time out to <coughs> to talk to me today. My cough was nothing scary. I just choked on my own breath. Um, yeah, like I said a couple days ago, I'm going to be pumping these out pretty quick. I meant to post one yesterday, but time uh, got away from me, and I just allowed myself to do nothing. What did we watch? The Good Dinosaur. If you haven't seen The Good Dinosaur, for the love of God, do it. Um, it was kind of this... Uh, underrepresented and, and uh, underpublicized Pixar movie that came out the same year that Inside Out did, which was, I mean, that's obviously where all of the money went, and, and rightfully so. It's a beautiful movie that should be required for <laughs> viewing for humans. Um, but if you want kind of a more zeroed-in movie, a tighter scope, I recommend The Good Dinosaur. Yeah. Okay. I think that's all I've got. That's all I've got. I love you. Um, hope you're staying afloat. I'll talk to you tomorrow.